Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Thursday, June 8th, 5.30 a.m. Central Time. July corn futures down three and a quarter at 6.01. December corn down five and three quarters at 5.25. July soybeans up one at 13.61 and three quarters. November soybeans down three and a half at 11.75. July Chicago wheat down a half at 6.16 and a quarter. July Kansas City wheat up one and a half at 7.89 and a half. July spring wheat up five and a half at 7.99 and a half. Uh, we have a USDA report tomorrow on Friday of all days, of course. We sure do. USDA will release its monthly crop production and WASD reports tomorrow. While the USDA does not typically adjust its U.S. corn and soybean yield projections in June, it has happened. On, it has happened a few times. Traders generally expected to see reduced U.S. demand projections on the corn, soybean, and wheat balance sheets. The June 30th planted acreage and grain stocks report is typically the bigger report this month. Okay, so I know a lot of you guys would like to see USDA lower its corn yield projection as an example because of the dry weather. Um, I have not been to a USDA data users meeting in like 12 years, but I don't know that that necessarily lines up with USDA methodology. They've done it a few times. Um, they've, they've adjusted the yield number in June, but that's not the rule. So if they, if they leave the yield numbers unchanged, that shouldn't be surprising. It should just be viewed as like a kick the can down the road type deal. And if they do adjust the yield numbers, I mean, some people would argue that that's warranted given the uh, dry conditions and the crop ratings and that sort of thing. So I could see it going either way. I think the vast majority of the trade doesn't think that you're going to see an adjustment, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. Uh, what you should see are lower demand numbers for um, old crop corn, old crop soybeans, and old crop wheat. Corn being the most notable one. Uh, we've talked at length about exports. Uh, we'll talk about ethanol in a minute, but those numbers should come down. Uh, the new crop balance sheet's probably will only change via um, the, the old crop numbers, which are your beginning stocks. And then if they do change the yield numbers, then uh, they'll adjust, I guess. But I don't think people are looking for that, generally speaking. World numbers, uh, nothing surprising to be expected. And again, as Mackenzie said, the, the big report this month, the one that's associated with volatility in the markets is the June 30th report. You get a new set of acreage numbers. We'll see what happened up north in regard to prevent plant, that sort of thing, acreage switching. Uh, the grain stocks report comes out along with that. That's another report that will be out on Friday morning. So uh, thank you again, USDA, for these wonderful Friday morning reports. Rain fell over parts of Iowa and Minnesota this morning. This smaller storm system is expected to taper off before making its way any further east. Areas that will see the most rain over the next seven days include southern, southern Illinois, Missouri, western Kentucky, western Tennessee, and eastern Kansas. The models continue to move back and forth regarding rainfall. The Euro model was wetter early yesterday but flipped drier late yesterday. The GFS is wetter by comparison and continues to push rainfall chances in the extended period. Okay, let's jump back to the radar this morning. So I don't know how much of this was expected, the system that's over north central Iowa, uh, parts of, of Minnesota. If you guys are in these areas, you caught some rain overnight into this morning. Drop the totals in the uh, YouTube video, guys. The, uh, the rains that are expected are further south than where we need them, generally speaking. And that's not to say that if you're in southern Illinois or Missouri that you don't matter. But the, um, the, the driest areas and, and your more 
high density corn production areas, of course, are, um, you know, through Iowa, through um, Central and, and Illinois and Indiana. And those places aren't going to see like your heart of the Corn Belt type areas are going to miss out on a lot of this stuff over the next seven days, the way the models look. This Euro was substantially wetter yesterday and flipped drier uh, in the evening yesterday. So not offering a ton of relief. So I think the way that it stands right now for the next week or so, you're going to see some rains here and there, but just not like the widespread sweeping system that you'd like to see and then this gfs you know long term i think most of the meteorologists would probably say you know this is a coin flip it's probably too wet um that sort of thing uh, the weather will matter more it, it matters now absolutely and it is moving the market but it will matter substantially more once you start to see forecasts for the first week first or or second week of july i mean you know that's the old the old adage right the corn crops made in july um those july rains are going to be more important than what we're seeing right now that's not to say that we're not dry uh you look at some of these uh uh, precip maps over the last 30 days. This, this map on my screen, if you guys are watching, is precip as a percent of normal over the last 30 days. I mean, parts of Illinois and Iowa have seen like 5 to 10% of normal precip Indiana over the last uh, 30 days. And that extends throughout a lot of the Corn Belt where it's like half of normal is good in the, in the Corn Belt right now if you're in one of those areas. So it's dry. Uh, we're going to see a new drop monitor map out later this morning, and it's going to be ugly. It's going to be uh, substantially worse looking than it was last week. That would be my guess. So if you guys are not already subscribed to our premium content, you sure need to check it out. Joe, tell me about what you put together yesterday with Brian. Uh, Brian was on yesterday and we did uh, a couple of different things. We ran cattle charts and the cattle charts are incredibly interesting. If you guys haven't looked at them, also talked about 2024 uh, new crop corn and soybean charts, ran some uh, potential upside targets uh, to be aware of. Brian does a fantastic job with these. These are really popular videos. Um, and then also, guys, you, you got to sign up if, if for nothing else, just for the Sunday weather updates. Uh, we send these out Sunday at about 6 p.m. Central time before the markets open. What did the forecast do over the weekend? What does it mean for the markets? How have the models shifted? If you guys want to see the premium stuff, sign up today. Go to standardgrain.com. This is a $50 per month subscription. It takes you about one minute to sign up with your credit card. Uh, cancel at any time. No other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. Just a ton of info direct from us every single business day, guys. U.S. ethanol production increased moderately week over week. Weekly output of 1.04 million barrels per day was up 3.2% compared to the previous week, but down 3.3% versus the same week last year. Ethanol stocks were pegged at 22.95 million barrels. The print was up 2.8% on the week and essentially steady with the same week last year. Implied gasoline demand was up 1.3% on the week and up 2.7% versus is the same week last year. On average, over the last four weeks, implied U.S. gasoline demand is up 3.3% versus the same period last year. So that's a good ethanol production number. It's just that if we're starting to see an improvement, it's too late. We've only got two and a half months left in the marketing year, and um, we're running like 3% behind uh, the previous marketing year in regard to ethanol production. So I think uh, unless you see some sort of like really, really strong uh, July and August prints, USDA may have to come down with its uh, corn demand via ethanol number for old crop. So I don't know. I mean, we're looking for a, a carry old crop carryout number tomorrow, you know, somewhere in the 1.4 to 1.5 neighborhood. That number may ultimately be north of 1.5 and even closer to 1.6, depending on what happens with um, ethanol, what they decide to do with exports, that sort of thing. But um, as we've discussed in the past, you know, these 
these demand uh, statistics for corn in particular, there's just not a positive sign uh, really anywhere. Canadian wildfires are causing U.S. air quality quality levels to drop. Smoke from fires in the Canadian provinces of Quebec and Nova Scotia has drifted over the northeastern U.S. and settled across the Midwest. As of Tuesday evening, about 414 fires were burning, with 239 of those being classified as out of control. With more than 6.7 million acres burned this wildfire season, Canada is easily off to one of its worst wildfire seasons on record. If the smoke happens to hang around for a couple weeks, crops could be indirectly affected by less sunlight and lower temperatures. Um, I am absolutely not an agronomist, but if you guys have have thoughts on this, let me know. This is um, a map that indicates that the smoke is is actually made its way further into the country than, than what that NBC map had. But uh, this stuff's all over the place. I mean, the most notable areas are like East Coast and uh, places like that further east than the Corn Belt. Uh, you look at Ohio and I guess and, and parts of Michigan also uh, being affected. Um, I don't know. I don't know what this means. Um, it's it's probably not a positive for the crops, but I don't know that it's like a death sentence either. If you guys have ideas on this and, and thoughts, uh, drop them in the YouTube comments, guys. In May, China imported a record 12.02 million metric tons of soybeans, up 24% from the same month last year. The delayed soybean crop in Brazil and stiffer customs regulations at Chinese ports hindered imports in April, which of course led to the influx of soybeans last month. The previous record for the month was 11.2 million metric tons uh, in June of 2020. According to experts, June imports could be even larger at 13 million metric tons. Total soybean imports in the first five months of this year for China climbed to 42.3 million metric tons, up 11.2% on the year. Okay, so the good news is that Chinese uh, soybean imports are strong and may even be stronger than what USDA has projected. Uh, the bad news is that most of the imports are coming from Brazil and that U.S. soybeans, old crop soybeans in particular, are overpriced on the export market to the tune of a dollar per bushel or more. So we are doing next to nothing in terms of, of old crop soybean business. And as I mentioned uh, several times in the past now, new crop soybean business, um, our, our new crop book of sales is very poor. It's like the third worst of the last 10 years. We're not selling much to China. Uh, you can say the same for corn. The, the new crop corn book uh, of export sales is it would be okay um, if you took out the last two years when China was buying all that corn. So we're back to like pre-China buying years in terms of the new crop corn book. So again, there's just in terms of U.S. demand, there's not a whole lot of positive things to say about exports um, it, when it comes to processing the soybean crush is kind of like your uh, lone bright spot, I guess. So some more news on China. Uh, the country's exports and imports declined in May. China's exports were down 7.5% in May compared to a year ago. The reduction reinforces concerns that the nation's post-reopening economy is stalling. China's imports also declined last month, but by a smaller margin of 4.5% compared to last year. China's leaders have pledged to support the economy, but economists are skeptical about the effectiveness of such measures. A slowdown in exports during May was also reported in South Korea, where they fell by 15.2%, and in Vietnam, where they fell by 6%. I was looking for China COVID news about this new COVID wave this morning. Um, they call it the XBB variant. Uh, one publication said that there's going to be 11 million 
new weekly COVID cases. And then there was like one doctor somewhere in China that said there's going to be 65 million cases a week. And that story made the rounds uh, in the news wires like a couple weeks ago. I don't know what's real and what's not, but um, I guess two things. Soybean imports up, but everything else uh, really not so great necessarily. Hey guys, we do have an export sales report this morning at 7.30 a.m. Central. Uh, corn and soybean sales could be negative for old crop to slightly positive. Uh, wheat sales for this new crop marketing year that just started on June 1st should be 200 to 550. Cattle market had uh, quite the ride yesterday. Yeah, they did. Yeah, it did. Um, it started off Wednesday looking pretty positive, but then took a dive mm -hmm. and closed sharply lower. Um, live cattle futures closed an average of 234 lower, ranging anywhere from 82 cents all the way down to uh, 282. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of 376 lower. They were down anywhere from 272 all the way down to 427. Uh, wholesale uh, box beef continued to trend higher on Wednesday. Choice box beef gained 379, ending the day at 325.19, and select was up 212, closing at 301.56. Gosh, you had that string of like sharply higher, like parabolic move type action. You're going to see the, the reverse and opposite action at some point. And that's what we saw mm -hmm. yesterday. Does that mean the rally's over? No, it doesn't mean it's over. It's just, it's, there has to be volatility in, in both directions when you get to this sort of uh, lofty stuff. Um, what is cash cattle doing this week? Is there, is it lined um, up yet? Cash cattle hasn't really ramped up uh, up here in Nebraska. I believe there were some a few sales noted at 190 already this week. Not enough to trend. Um, I'm guessing today it'll take off a little bit more. Hopefully. Okay. Outside markets, uh, U.S. dollars off a little bit. Stock markets mixed. Gold and silver up just marginally. Crude oil is up 52 cents in the July WTI at 73.05. Uh, have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you Friday.